The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, January 26, 2020, on the basis of 1 John verses 3 through 11. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. If you are walking up the stairs or perhaps getting something out of the closet, you need it to be about a hundred. If you're just walking around the office or the classroom at school, you need it to be about 250. If you're cooking something in the kitchen or sitting at your desk and doing work, you probably should have it at about 500. And if you're sitting down to read a book for an extended period of time, it would probably be good to have it at about 1,000. The numbers I'm talking about refer to the numbers of lux. In other words, the level of light, the amount of light that occupies a particular place for a particular task. And maybe you know that, that they make this handy-dandy little device called a lux meter that you could buy. It only costs about $20. And if you really wanted to, you could keep it with you at all times, take it wherever you go, and before sitting down and doing any one of those things, just to make sure that you have enough light, you could, you could take it out and see what it says. I'm guessing you don't do that. I'm guessing you're not going to start doing that. And that's because we're pretty good on our own of of sort of just figuring out whether we are in the light or in the darkness. Our eyes are, are pretty good on their own of picking up on that. Our eyes communicate that information accurately to our brain. And then our brain actually tells our, our bodies to act appropriately. When you are in the light, you act a certain way. You move about freely and confidently. You see things as they really are and use them appropriately. When you are in the darkness, on the other hand, you act just the opposite. You move very slowly and very tentatively. You might often mistake something for something that it is not. When you're in the light, you act one way. When you're in the darkness, you act completely different. Of course, you well know that we use those phrases in the light and in the darkness in more than just this literal sense. We sometimes talk about people being in the light or in the dark when it comes to things like news and politics and current events, when it comes to things like history or science, when it comes to ethics and morality. And yes, over the course of the past several weeks, we have seen how the Bible often and also uses those same terms, those same phrases to talk about people spiritually. When it comes to our relationship with God, we are in the light or we are in the dark. But that sort of raises an important question, doesn't it? Which one is it? And how can we tell? At any given moment, how can we tell whether we are in the light or in the dark? Well, the good news is that you don't need some fancy electronic device called a lux meter. In these verses that are in front of us today, John gives us a much simpler test. And the good news is, just as we can sort of normally and naturally tell whether we are in the light or in the darkness, so also spiritually, it's not that hard to see and to figure out whether we are in the light or in the dark. Because when we are in the light, we act a certain way. When we are in the dark, we act just the opposite. And so all we need to do is apply John's little simple test. And at any given moment, we don't need to wonder where we are. We can tell whether or not we are in the light. As we look at these verses from 1 John chapter 2 this morning, we're going to see... God's message to us that when you are in the light, you just know. 
That's where John starts in these verses. He says this, We know that we have come to know him. In other words, John doesn't just want us to know the truth about God. He wants us to know that we know the truth about God. He wants us to be certain about that, certain that we are in the light. That's an idea that isn't exactly, exactly popular today. It might make people uncomfortable, in fact. Kind of sounds arrogant, doesn't it? Today, a lot of people would say that the enlightened position to have is to constantly be in doubt, to question everything, to challenge everything, to never say that you are absolutely certain about anything. John says just the opposite. God doesn't just want us to know the truth about him. He wants us to know that we know the truth about him. That doesn't mean that we are blindly stubborn in our faith, that we just make up our minds that we're going to believe a certain thing and nothing can change our mind no matter what. It is very much okay to open your eyes, to look carefully at the things God says, to investigate the claims that he makes in his word. But maybe I'm stating the obvious here. The reason you open your eyes is so that you can see. If you want to stay in the darkness, you keep your eyes closed. And so it's no wonder that John says God wants us not just to know the truth about him, he wants us to know that we know it. He wants us to know that we are in the light. So how do we do that? Well, here's what John says. We know that we have come to know him if if we keep his commands. In other words, if we know the truth about God, if we know how much he loves us, if we know what he has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ, then when God says to us, here is the path that I want you to follow, we're going to follow it. We will trust that the plan, that the path that he points out to us is the best path for us, and we will be eager and willing to follow that path in response to everything that he's done for us. In fact, we don't even have to wonder what might happen to us if we follow the path that God lays out, because Jesus has already walked that path for us. John says that if we are in the light, then we will naturally walk the path that Jesus walked. We will live as he lived. We might think of what John is saying sort of in these terms. Some of you know that I enjoy running a little bit. Well, here in Wisconsin, in the dead of winter, for a lot of different reasons, it is difficult to go outside and go running. I don't mind the cold so much, but as you might imagine, very often the pavement or the sidewalk or the trail beneath my feet is covered in ice or snow or slush, all of which makes that path very, very treacherous. Another thing that makes running in Wisconsin in the winter difficult is that there aren't a whole lot of hours of daylight. And so if I go out when it is dark, not only is that path treacherous, but I I can't see it. And so when I go running in the dark, I just naturally, without even thinking, run a, a certain way. I am conscious of every single step that I take. I am just a little bit hesitant and reluctant. I naturally run a, a little bit slower because I can't see. If I take a flashlight with me, that improves the situation a little bit. But if it's complete broad daylight outside, that changes everything. The path, the trail, the sidewalk might be just as treacherous, but now I can see it. And that makes all the difference in the world. That's the very first thing that John is saying, the first part of his test, that if we are in the light, we can tread forward confidently. It's good for us to hear that. And it's especially good for us to hear that today. You maybe know that very often the path that God points out to us sure seems 
sort of treacherous. In fact, in a lot of ways, it is the exact opposite path that maybe we'd naturally want to take and, and certainly that the world around us is telling us to take. But starting next week and for a few weeks after that, we are going to hear over and over and over again that God directs us on that seemingly treacherous path rather than telling us to seize the day, to grab life by the horns, to make sure we get what is ours, we'll hear God tell us to be meek and humble, rather than telling us to follow our heart, to do whatever it is that makes us happy. We'll, tell God, we'll, we'll hear God tell us to pursue what he considers to be pure and righteous, rather than telling us to pursue popularity and make sure that we are always well-liked by all the people around us. We'll hear God tell us to rejoice when people insult us, to rejoice when we are persecuted for the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, that sounds like a slippery path, a treacherous path. And if we didn't know the person who was pointing us down that path, there's no way we would take it. We would go in the opposite direction. We'd go in our own direction. But because we know him, because we know the truth about him, because we know how much he loves us and what he's done for us, we will follow that path. We will trust him. If you are in the light, you, you can tread forward confidently. John has more to say about how we know we are in the light. He says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light. So not only does the light enable us to see the ground that is beneath our feet so that we can tread forward confidently, it also enables us to see clearly the people who are around us so that we treat them appropriately. Specifically, John says, so that we love them instead of hating them. Now you and I hear those words, love and hate, and it is almost impossible for us not to think about feelings, how people make us Feel. If we love someone, they fill us with a, a feeling of, of warmth and affection. If we hate them, they fill us with a, a feeling of loathing and disdain. It's almost impossible for us not to think in those terms, but John is not using those words in that way. To love someone is much more about what is in our will and in our actions than in our feelings. To love someone means to want what is best for them, and to do what is best for them in spite of how you might feel about them. To hate someone means to do just the opposite, to not really care one way or another what happens to them, whether good or bad. Now, normally, the interesting thing is that when we think about loving someone rather than hating someone, we often think that what will make other people love us is if we actually turn down the lights, turn on the darkness, you might say. If someone's really going to love us, the less they know, the better, right? Sure, we're perfectly happy to put out there that picture-perfect side of us that makes us look good. We'll put that out there far and wide for everyone to see, but there's so much, of course, that we want to keep hidden. If people are going to like us and love us and think well of us, it's natural to think that it's better to be in the darkness. That's normal when it comes to strangers. That's normal when it comes to acquaintances. It's normal when it comes to classmates and coworkers and probably even close friends. But that's not how we act with family. In fact, when someone is family, not only are we okay with everything being brought into the light, we actually need everything to be brought into the light. I don't need to know how every single student in my children's classes are doing. I don't need to know 
what is on their report card. I don't need to know what is on their behavioral report. I don't need to know what the teachers talk about with their parents when they go in for the parent-teacher conferences. But I do need to know those things with my children. Why? Because we are family. Because our interests are inseparably connected. If there is an issue, if there is a concern, if there is something going on with them, it is also an issue and a concern for me. Our lives have been joined together. We are family. In the same way, I don't need to know all the wonderful things that are going on in everybody else's life. I don't need to know who went where on vacation. I don't need to know who got a wonderful new promotion and a raise. I don't need to know who accomplished some major life goal. But I do need to know those things when it comes to my spouse. Why? Because we're family. Because we share our interests in common. Because if something wonderful is happening to her, that's also wonderful for me. Because if she's rejoicing, I rejoice along with her. It's because we are family. So if it is true that because you know God and through your faith in God, God is your father and you are his child. And if that is also true of me, and if that is also true of the person who is sitting on your right, and the person who is sitting on your left, and if that is also true of every other person in this room, then even though we may all have different last names and live in different houses, we are family. And if we see that, if we are in that light, we will treat each other appropriately. We will want what is best for one another and act toward what is best for one another. On the flip side, on the flip side, if we do not, If we see, for example, someone who is caught up in a sin and we care so little about them that we don't do something, that we don't say something. Worse yet, if we see someone else caught up in a sin and we use it as an excuse to think less of them or to think more of us. If we see someone hurting and we don't hurt along with them. If we see someone rejoicing and we don't rejoice along with them, we are in the darkness. We are treating them as if they are strangers. That's the second part of of John's test, that if we are in the light, we not only can tread forward confidently, but we can also treat our family appropriately. It's a simple test, really. I think you'd agree. And yet perhaps there's been sort of the same uneasy feeling in your stomach for the past few minutes that there was in mind this past week as I studied these verses. It is a simple test, and yet when we turn it on, when we turn on that lux meter that that measures the amount of light that is in our lives, what does it reveal? If you're anything like me, then more often than you'd care to admit, you've ignored the path that God wants to direct you down, and instead you've chosen one of your own. If you're anything like me, then more often than you care to admit, you have looked at the people that God has made a part of this wonderful, beautiful family to which we all belong, and you've treated them instead like strangers, like people who just have to, happen to be occupying the same space at us, as us at the same time. It's a very, very simple test, but that is what makes it so effective. So effective at revealing that so often, instead of living and basking in that wonderful light, we instead have been living in darkness. Which is why it's so important for us to remember exactly what it is. It is a test. A lux meter does a a wonderful job of telling you how much light you are in and whether you are in light or in darkness. But that meter, that electronic device, has absolutely no ability 
to change that situation. If you realize that you don't have enough light, you need something else, right? You need to go over to the light switch and flip it on or turn the dimmer knob up. You need to maybe make a a trip to Home Depot and get brighter light bulbs for your house. Maybe you need to pull back the curtains and let the light of the sun come in. In the very same way, if John's little test in these verses does what it often does and reveals that we are in darkness, we need to know exactly where we need to go in order to find light. And thankfully, God is one step ahead of us. He doesn't just shine his light in in one spot and say, well, you have to find it and you have to come and get it. No, he actively pursues us with his light. You heard about that in today's other readings, how in that place called Galilee, which seemed to be so, so far away from God's light, that was the place where Jesus started, where he went around through Galilee, preaching, teaching, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, bringing his light to that land of deep darkness. In the same way, friends, when you and I see, as we so often see, that our life has darkness in it. We know exactly where to find the light. And when we do, we see that God has already been pursuing us with that light, that he has been bringing to us that wonderful good news of how much he loves us, that wonderful good news that Jesus has already perfectly walked our path for us and completely paid our penalty in our place, that good news that through faith in Jesus, God does look at us as his child. God sees us as holy and perfect. Just a few verses prior to this, John had said in this letter, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. When you see that darkness in your life, when John's test reveals it, you know exactly where to go. You know exactly where to find the light. Turn it up all the way. Don't hold back. And yet be forewarned that when you do, you're going to see the needle move. That little needle on on that lux meter that sometimes just kind of goes down and down and down and down. All of a sudden it's going to go crazy. It's going to go all the way to the top. You're going to see that path that God wants to point you down and you're going to willingly want to follow it. You're going to see the family, the wonderful, beautiful family that God has made you a part of and you're going to want to treat people that way. John's test is going to show you what is happening in your life and you are going to know why. Because when God shines his light into our hearts, he doesn't just want us to know that that light exists. He doesn't just want us to know that we are in the light. He wants us to know that we know that we are in the light. And last but certainly but, but not least, he also wants us to act that way. Amen.